Thank you for being here. I'm sure there are leaves that need raked, corn that needs picked. There's always plenty to do, and so praise God that you have chosen the the greater portion by coming and sitting at his feet today. My task is to address the husbands, and so in order to do that, we will jump into Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 25 to 33. The Apostle Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Husbands, love your wives, As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies." He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let us ask for the Lord's help. Father, we thank you for your word. It is living and active, sharper than two any edged sword. And Father, we pray that you would work heart surgery on especially the husbands here today. Father, may I preach this not as one who has arrived or has some sort of infinite wisdom to share, but rather as a fellow husband, a needy servant. Lord, may I be a faithful messenger. And Lord, may you transform us, Lord, as we consider this text. May your will be done, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Very early in creation, God declared, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Later, in Genesis chapter 2, It is written, So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This, at last, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, And hold fast to his wife, 
and they shall become one flesh. And so, the institution of marriage was created, and it was very good. The Puritan Henry Smith wrote, Before man had any other calling, he was called to be a husband. And the same could be said for a wife. Now, if we know our Bibles, it wasn't very long after this very good institution of marriage that we learn that it will be cursed and fought with problems. Genesis 3.16 reads, To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Men, because of the fall, our first parents, because of the fall of our first parents, we, we have a sinful tendency to fall into one of two ditches. Either we have a tendency to be overbearing and harsh, or, or we have a tendency to be passive and indifferent with our wives, both of which are a misuse of the authority that has been divinely granted to us. But I have good news. Praise God. He, he has not left us to our own devices. He has given us His Word, which contains all we need for life and godliness. And furthermore, He has given us His Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect bridegroom, who displayed perfect love for His bride, the church, by giving Himself up for her. Therefore, husbands, we must love our wives as Christ loved the church. I've, I've titled this message rather simply, A Husband's Love. And I, I think there are two words in that title that, that need to be defined as we dig into the text. Husbands and love. And so that is my first point. What is a husband? Verse 25a. Husbands. Stop. In the Greek, the word is an heir, and it is, refers to a man who is a husband, or a betrothed future-to-be man who is going to be a husband. There is reference to age, generally distinguishes an um, adult man from a boy, but it is always a male. For instance, in Matthew 1.19, it's written, and her husband, that's our word, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And so we can quickly conclude that, biblically speaking, a husband is a man. We can thank the last 10 to 15 years for the next question. What is a man? Well, a man, simply, is created in the image and likeness of God. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Then God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Both men and women are created equal in the image of God. We both have equal value, dignity, and worth. However, and this is, this is, this is the flashpoint, Men are biologically, psychologically, and emotionally different. It's inescapable. These distinctions between men and women 
are very good. God declared it so. But the fact that men are created physically and emotionally different is unavoidable. And this truth stands regardless of how you feel. We don't need to self-identify. God has identified us already from before the foundation of the world. And for those who cry out against this, I I guess I have to read Romans 9.20. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? So if a husband is a biological male, can only be, then when is a man manliest? Well, let's look to Scripture a little. Because God created man. He's going to act according to the will of his creator, the way God designed him to be. A godly man, a manliest man, is going to humble himself before the creator. There is a God, man, and you're not him. There is going to be a realization of, of, of our sinful condition, and we will, we will see that we have a need for a Savior, and we will submit to him as Lord. A man is disciplined. He will discipline himself for the purpose of godliness, 1 Timothy 4, 7. And he will know his God. He will have a very high view of women and children. And he will not tolerate any mistreatment or abuse of either. He will protect his family. He will provide for his family. And he will lead his family. As I've studied this and I, I, I drew these, I like acronyms. Um, or, uh, so I, PPL. Protect, provide, lead. It's stuck with me. Maybe it'll be helpful as we go through this, but a godly man will protect, provide, and lead his family. So if we boil this down to a, a working definition of a husband, a husband is a biological male in covenant relationship with a biological female whose divinely appointed purpose is to love, protect, provide, and lead his wife according to the will of God. I found this helpful if you're familiar with the New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality by Christopher Gordon. If not, I I highly recommend it. It's an excellent um, tool in light of this current social um, atmosphere. Question number 35, how should husbands seek to love and honor their wives? Answer, husbands should demonstrate sincere love to their wives and reverence for Christ through the exercise of Loyalty, kindness, understanding, tenderness, self-control, sexual purity, by all means avoiding verbal, emotional, and physical abuse or controlling behavior, and by providing godly leadership. Men ought to be a good example to their wives. So in review, only men can be husbands, men cannot be wives, women cannot be husbands, Women cannot be men, and husbands are called to protect, provide, and lead. Now, men, we ought to know this truth. We ought to know God's will for our lives as husbands, and we we ought to be defending it, quick to defend it, because if the enemy can chip away at godly manhood, 
he's going to be able to uproot God's design for the family. It's good and right to protect your wife and children. It's godly to provide for them. It's a good thing to lead them. It's okay to take a strong stand on something. There's a good chance you're going to be rejected for being a confident, self-assured male. It's okay to be competitive. It's okay to show bravery and courage. It's okay for young boys to, to roughhouse and, and get a little dangerous. That's not toxic. And there's nothing wrong with confidently rationalizing a viewpoint, confidently sharing your faith, defending the family. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with calling evil for what it actually is. That is that's, that's masculine. If the enemy can silence good, godly men, and I'm not saying perfect, but headed in the right direction. If he can silence them, he will be able to dismantle the family all the more. So really, it's simple. Be a man. Know your God and his will for your life, and, and discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. 1 Corinthians 13.11 reads, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Look for godly examples. Godly men. Look for them. Attach yourself to them as, as examples. Follow them. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And furthermore, in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. We're called we're called to stand firm in the face of adversity, in the face of attacks on God's design for the family. And we're called to lead our wives, all of which is to be done in love, a godly sacrificial love. And that is our second word that, that we should define as we go here. My second point, if, you, if you're an outliner, a love that sacrifices in verse 25. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We see here an individual charge to individual husbands to love their one wife. And it's a special love for your wife. It is an agape type love. It is seeking the highest good of another. It is a godly love. It is the love in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. God sought our highest good by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. He is the greatest example of love. And this command, it is, it's very strong. And Paul goes on to provide just crystal clear, very strong examples of what this love is to be. Paul wrote, As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
we must make an important stop here in order to understand true love. We must be transformed. We must be a new creation. Jesus Christ gave up everything to come and ransom his bride. He gave up the riches of heaven, the worship of angels. He sacrificed everything, including himself, in order to save us from our sins. And so men, you must be born again. Otherwise, this is just a law. This is another law that will crush you. I can, I can give you biblical wisdom about how to shepherd and love your wife, but apart from a saving work of God, it'll just, it'll just be a burden. It'll be knowledge. As new creations, this is God's will for husbands, to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And this love, it's an ongoing process. It's an, it's an active love. It's a working love. Nose to the grindstone type of love. It's incredibly noteworthy that Paul gives three times the space for the husbands than he does the wives. And he commands them three times to love their wives. And it just goes to show the importance of a husband's love. The role of the husband in his ministry to his wife. Now, context is key. Cultural context is key. As we approach the scriptures... This would have just absolutely flown in the face of readers of the day because they lived in a time of of arranged marriages. So we're used to first comes love, then comes marriage, right? No, this is first comes marriage, then comes, they might love each other. But no, really what it was was first comes marriage, then comes overbearing, domineering, harsh husband. It happened in the Jewish culture, but even more so in the Greco-Roman world that they were surrounded by. Wives were viewed as as property, just another servant to be used at one's disposal. And so the text does not read, husbands, you are the head of the wife. You need to be firm, overbearing, harsh, rule over. Absolutely not. No, that that was the problem. Yes, husbands, we have authority. We have inherited authority. But it's, it's, it's really, it's assumed. Okay? But it must be exercised in love. We must lead with love. Everything must be couched in love. We have authority to lead as Christ led. How did Christ lead? By putting a towel across his lap and washing dirty men's feet. That's how Christ led. That is the authority. That is the way we are to lead our wives, with an unconditional type of love. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, we have demerited God's love, and yet he still sent his son for us. And we are to love regardless of anything she has done. Regardless of whether or not she is deserving or undeserving. This love is to be an act of the will. Because if if love is only emotional, if it's only emotional, it's only going to respond when it's prompted or when it's been earned. Now, love that's only driven by the will can, can be cold. And so there is a balance here. But especially when 
when things are hard. We love because He loved us first. It is God's will for your life to love your wife. It's important to remember that sometimes we're not lovable. Sometimes we're hard to get along with. And this authority that we have is to serve. We have authority to serve. And it's inherited authority. We have to remember that. It didn't form out of a vacuum. It came from God. He used it for our highest good. Now it's been entrusted to us to use it for the highest good of our wives and children. And we're not to lord it over them. We're not to domineer or be harsh. The picture painted here is opposed to any type of tyrannical abuse of power. But rather, it's a self-dying, every day dying to self over and over love. Perspective helps. Perspective helps. When we consider what we deserve. We don't deserve a beautiful woman that we get to come home to. We don't deserve how she has made our house feel like a home. We simply love because he loved us first. You know, and, and, and I, I want to make this clear. I'm talking about a, um, a normal, good relationship. I'm not talking about an abusive relationship, okay? Um, that is a separate thing. I'm just talking about a normal relationship where sometimes husbands and wives just want to kill each other. Okay? She may give you reasons to be angry with her. Okay? But Christ never gives you a reason to disobey him. Okay? We can't control others, but we can control ourselves. And he never gives us a reason or a command to be harsh, to be rough. We are to strive to provide her with everything she needs to fulfill her God-given role as a wife and mother. And so we, we aren't to strive to provide her a, a brand new car. That's, that's, not, that's not what I'm trying to say. But we should strive to create an atmosphere where she can be the mother, the wife that God calls her to be. Okay, John MacArthur wrote, the Christian husband displays what he thinks of Christ by the way he treats his wife. I was recently engaged with a conversation with a, a Christian lady, um, and she was telling me, we were actually kind of sharing stories about unsaved siblings, and she was talking about her unsaved, incredibly liberal sister, and how she just absolutely makes fun of her for having gotten married and um, going to homeschool the children um, and stay home. Her sister just razzes her about this constantly. Says stuff like, well, he really domesticated you. He wiped you up quick, didn't he? And she said, she said to which I just simply reply, you call it what you want, but his love has created such a safe and secure environment for me that I'm free. I'm free to live the way God designed me to be. William Secker wrote, 
a wife takes sanctuary not only in her husband's house, but in his heart. The tree of love should grow up in the family as the tree of life grew up in the garden. Men, if you have a saved wife, consider this. The king of the universe has entrusted you with one of his daughters. And we cannot overbear, be overbearing with her, okay? We're going to be called to task before a holy God how we took care of our wives. I've seen, I've been near husbands and wives where the man is incredibly overbearing and harsh with his wife, and she's just like a, she's just like a wilted flower, you know? And we, can, we can all um, understand that here. We're in, this, we're in the fall, all of our flowers. It's just, it closes up. And our love for our wives, our wives should be in full bloom, okay? They should be free to live the way God designed her to be. A wife is a reflection of the husband. And, and we're called to provide a, a sanctuary where we don't, if, if, we, if we follow the Lord's will for our life in this area, we, Generally speaking, we're not going to have to tell her to submit. We're not going to have to force our hand. It's going to be where she wants to be. Consider Christ. When we see how he has served us, how he has used his authority, we can't help but following. And so we follow him as our example as we shepherd our wives. By displaying the unconditional love of Christ to your wife, you will not only give her a safe place to call home, you will provide a safe place for her to grow, a place where she can be further sanctified. And that is my next point, a love that sanctifies, going on in verse 26. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, wrinkle, any such thing that she might be holy and blameless. So, one of the purposes of God's love for the church is to sanctify the church, to present himself a glorious church that she might be holy. He gave himself up in order that he might sanctify her. He has set her apart to make her holy. And the cleansing with water, it's a, it's a metaphorical expression of redemption. Every time we see water in the Bible, <clears throat> it is a picture of cleansing. And how? How is this going to happen? By the gospel. The word, the word preached, the word read, the word shared. God is going to use his word to sanctify the church. And ultimately, she will be presented as a spotless bride without blemish, absolutely holy. Christ is the source of the church's sanctification, corporately and then individually. All of our imperfections, he's working them out of us. He is going to sanctify us, and ultimately we will be glorified. Now it's important, husbands, that, to note that we are not the source of our wife's sanctification. But we are called to be a faithful means of it. The Lord is going to use us. We are to be used faithful servants. You don't complete your wife. 
your wife doesn't complete you. You guys will let each other down every single day. Christ alone completes you. That's critical. And as a husband, you are to provide a safe, secure environment for the Lord to sanctify your wife. And man, if you're neglecting this, if your wife is, is, is a believer and you're neglecting this, he's going to complete the good work that he started. He's going to sanctify her in spite of you. The fact is, your wife should be holier because she's married to you. And we're, we will be called to account for our lack of pouring into our wives. <clears throat> um, there's an illustration that's been used a lot. It's not mine, but it's, 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 just, it's so simple, it's helpful. When we think about a, a bike wheel, okay, and the spokes are out on the rim, they're really far apart. And then as they make their way into the hub, the center, they get closer and closer together. And so as wives and husbands are sanctified together, and as the, as the husband loves his wife, as Christ loves the church, keeping Christ the center, the hub of their marriage, they will grow closer and closer together, still being individuals, not intersecting, but growing closer and closer to their Lord and Savior. Our wife's sanctification is an ongoing process, and, and ours is too. We're being sanctified together and as individuals. <clears throat> it's a sobering realization that the person that we love the most, the person that we're called to love the most, is most likely the one you're going to sin against the most. But what an opportunity to show forgiveness. What an opportunity to confess and repent, to show the grace of God in this display case that we call marriage. It's important to note that our wives can speak into our lives too. Earlier in Ephesians, Paul wrote, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to necessarily believe everything every Christian person says to me, but, but wives, if, if she's a believer, and even an unbeliever, I guess, I, I should say this, if you are an unbelieving spouse and they, they rebuke you or speak into your life, consider, well, okay, maybe that is true. That's highly, but I don't know. Consider it. Um, but know that your wife can speak into your life. And to go to her for counsel, that's, that doesn't make you a weaker leader. There's wisdom in that. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. My wife is often one of the very first people I go to in, in, in many matters. God has provided us a helpmate that we can go to. Men, we shouldn't be able to bear the thought of any sin in, our, in the life of our wife. Our greatest desire for her should be that she is conformed into the image of Christ. Remember, true love seeks the highest good of the one loved. So maybe your wife is struggling with sin. How do you approach her? Well, first, make sure that you don't have a log in your eye. Make sure that you're shored up, okay? Consider, is this a sin that love ought to cover? Never rebuke her in public or in front of the children. Make sure you're together. Pray about it. What's the level of seriousness here? 
Is this a time that I should quietly lead? Do I need to talk to her? Do I need to be firm? Take James's advice. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And talk to her very humbly and kindly and patiently. Maybe you don't need to say anything at all. You know, some of the most powerful sermons you'll ever preach to your wife are by silent actions. Sometimes you just need to lead by example and then teach as you go. Just remember to always seek her highest good. It was the will of God to bring this woman into your life. He knew exactly what he was doing when he blessed you with her. And what a channel of grace that he has provided for us. Kevin DeYoung wrote, The husband is to lead the way in forgiveness. Husbands, if you're the head of the house, you'll take the first step. Men, by following Christ's example of a sacrificial, sanctifying love in our marriages, we will not only display the beautiful relationship between Christ and his church, but furthermore, we will love ourselves as we love our wives. That is my fourth point, a, self, a love of self. And I know at face value, I'm going to go on. <laughs> at face value, that's like, whoa, love of self. What, what do we, that? But bear with me. Verse 28 reads, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. We see the second command here to love our wives. As Christ loved the church, but now to love our wives as our own bodies. And then furthermore, we see how, we see how closely we are to identify with our wives. Christ so closely identifies with the church that when he came to Paul, Saul, on the Damascus road, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That is how closely we are to identify with our wives. It is a one flesh union, and we are to love our wives as we love ourselves. And this example, it's just, it's so practical, it's easy to understand. There's, there's just like not a, not a lot of not a lot of mystery shrouded here, right? As far as you're going to take care of yourself. We all have a certain amount of self-preservation built into us. And just as Christ takes care of us, I mean, he sought us while we were strangers. He died for our sins that we may live. He rose from the dead that we may rise to new life. After he ascended, he, he sent the Holy Spirit, a helper, a comforter to be with us. I mean, oh, how he loves his body. Husbands, we're to reflect our love for our wives just as, as Christ, excuse me, husbands, we are to reflect Christ's love for his church, his own body, as we love our wives as ourselves. The underlying command here is, is simple, to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who is your closest, nearest, and dearest neighbor? Paul goes on in verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is, he roots this in creation. He quotes Genesis. And this, this hold fast, it's, it's, a, it's a fun word. It's like glue. It's like being cemented together. It's, it gives the idea of permanency. 
And Paul's instructions are they're not only based on the relationship between Christ and his church, but on the creation um, institution of marriage between Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. It's a creation reality. Uh, marriage was, was uh, instituted before sin entered the world. And he goes on to sum it up in verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Here we see the third command to the husbands. Love, love, love. Love your wife as yourself. It's very personal. Very personal. Each individual husband is to love your each individual wife as yourself. There's no escaping this. No husband is exempt from this command. As I said earlier, it's, it's, it's part of our nature to take care of ourselves. You know, I, this morning, it was a fast one, but I took a shower. I took care of myself. I made sure I got a cup of coffee this morning. I, I, I take care of myself. I know, what I, I know what I like to eat. I'm going to stay away from what upsets my stomach. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to be cautious with my body. Um, it's just built into us. Right? If somebody doesn't take care of themselves, it's weird. You know, I, I, we can all agree with that. You know, if somebody is um, incredibly dangerous and incredibly risky and just always putting their life on the line, um, and I'm not, I'm trying to maybe, I, I exempt like firefighters and stuff, but, but you know what I mean. For somebody to not take care of themselves, that's weird. You know, um, something's wrong. And, and so, just naturally speaking, we take care of ourselves. Well, the same is to be for our wives, our one flesh. We are one together, and we are to seek to take care of them as we would want to be taken care of ourselves. Now, it's important, it's important, men, that yes, you are to take care of your wife as yourself, but she's not a man, okay? And so 1 Peter 3.7 is helpful. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The, the word weaker vessel here, it's an expression of something that is fragile, something that is sensitive or very expensive, something that is very special. And so you need to live with them like that, okay? We treat our trash can that we take the grass clippings out, we treat it differently than the china that we inherited from our mom that's in, in the top shelf that maybe, maybe we get out. I haven't eaten on a glass plate in like... 10 years, but <laughs> uh, we, treat, we treat that differently than, say, the trash can. And, and so, yes, we are to love our wives as we love ourselves, but we are going to treat her as something very special, delicate, expensive, something that, that we, we just um, we take very good care of. And now, I, I want to be clear, because this, this does run, run rampant, too. We're not to put our wives on a pedestal. We're not to, to um, she's not an idol. She's not our God. And, and we're not a doormat, okay? We, we need to make that clear. We need, to, we need to keep things in correct order. We love God first, okay? And here's the mystery. The more you love God, the more you seek to live out his will in your life, as he's prescribed in his word, the more you will love your wife. But it never goes like this. It's, it's, it's like this, okay? She's not in front of us. She's not behind us. She's beside us. 
and we lovingly lead and serve her. Now, the marriage relationship, it does not cancel out all obligation to other relationships. Okay? You still have to honor your father and your mother. Okay? You might have to go help your brother pick corn or something. But the relationship between you and your wife is to be preferred above all others. And it's second only to your relationship with the Lord. So this is heavy. This is, this is, this is a high calling. You might be sitting there, okay. Where do I go from here, James? Well, maybe this will be helpful. I've got five quick things. The first thing is the gospel. You're never going to leave the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Surrender to his lordship because it's Christ in us that empowers us to love our wives as he loved the church. Okay? That's the building we live in, right? Okay? Secondly, confess. Confess and repent of any sin in this area. Back to the gospel. (laughs) And maybe it's just a quiet confession between you and the Lord. Maybe you do need to go to your wife and confess. Ask for the Lord for wisdom there. Third, know God's will for your life as a husband. Know your God. He designed you. He knows how you ought to operate. Know his will for your life. Fourthly, Pray to God. That's going to be the fuel. It's going to be the fuel. Pray to him for a strong resolve to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And then lastly, put it into action for the glory of God. Now, I, um, I'm doing pretty good. I got a second. There's, there, it, it'll be tempting. Here, men, this is what we're tempted to do. And so I want, to, right before I wrap this up, It's going to be tempting to go home tonight and sit your wife down across from you and say, hey, so I've been thinking about the conference today. Some things are going to change around here. Don't do that. (laughs) Okay? Just start doing. Okay? Don't overpromise. Okay? Just just start doing. And just just let her find out slowly. Okay? Don't overpromise. Just focus on delivery. And trust the Lord will work it out. And, and bless your marriage, you and your wife, and glorify himself through it, okay? Husbands, we, we've been entrusted with a great gift, a bride. Set apart for you, by God, before the foundation of the world. Oh, what a blessing and privilege we have that we get to display to a fallen world around us the beautiful relationship between Christ and his church. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father,